Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Tuesday, December 29th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. So by now you've heard, no Music City Bowl. Missouri had to pull out of the game against Iowa on Wednesday because of COVID-19 issues, and it was too late for the game in Nashville to make other arrangements. Beat writer Suichi Tarada joins us to talk about the decision and the Tigers. He also provides a quick look at a big basketball game on Wednesday night when Tennessee visits Mizzou Arena. After a break, you'll hear from Missouri head coach Eli Drinkwitz and maybe a word or two from athletic director Jim Sturk from the news conference announcing no bowl game for the Tigers. So let's get started talking to Suichi Tarada. Okay, Suichi, I was getting my week planned uh, on Sunday and really looking forward to Wednesday, right? You had... (laughs) You had the Music City Bowl at 2.30. You had Missouri, Tennessee at 8 o'clock that night. We're still getting basketball, but football is off. That was kind of a a kick in the gut yesterday to hear that uh, Missouri and Iowa will not play in the Music City Bowl this this week. Let's take it from the top. Um, You woke up Sunday morning like we all did, thinking the game was on, and um, by mid-afternoon, nothing of of the sort was happening. So tell us what happened to, to the Music City Bowl. Yeah, obviously, Blair, unfortunately, the Music City Bowl altogether has been canceled. Essentially, what first happened was Mizzou had to pull out because of rising COVID-19 numbers. And concerning the game was only three days away, they weren't able to find Iowa a replacement like they were able to do for the Liberty Bowl, where Tennessee, another SEC team, dropped out then. A very talented, very good 92 Army team had to kind of slot in and take that both the bowl spot. So unfortunately, none of that for Iowa and the Music City Bowl, so it's just canceled. Blair, I was in the same boat as you in that I was kind of getting my story ideas ready. I was kind of leaning heavily into the Iowa prep uh, in terms of who they have and what, what made them so successful. And, and I had all this knowledge, Blair, that's, that's just kind of going to waste, unfortunately. So I'm, uh, I can kind of sympathize with the players and coaches who did do all that game prep planning uh, and and obviously, Blair, this was due to COVID-19. What I thought was interesting was that Mizzou all season has struggled. Well, I don't want to say they've struggled with COVID-19. I think that's just kind of – they've struggled with roster numbers, which I think is an important distinction to make in the sense that they've played under the SEC's 53-player threshold, which you're allowed to do. They've played with 51, 52 players for every now and then. And so when, when you do that, that's, that's because of COVID-19, because of transfers, opt-outs, all of these things. And Mizzou was obviously down for scholarship numbers to begin with. So they've shown that they're willing to kind of play through, you know, the adversity. But it got to the point, Blair, and I thought this was interesting from Drink, was that he was basically like, yeah, local health officials pretty much deemed us a public health risk should Mizzou travel to Nashville. And so it, it, it was at that level of the outbreak, if this was a summer, Drink was pretty much said, yeah, we would have had to pause. So it, it was just kind of an unfortunate timing, I think, because if this had happened last week, maybe the game would have been salvageable. Who knows? Uh, who knows in 2020? But at the end of the day, that's just kind of how it, it fell out, which was just an unfortunate thing for Mizzou and, and Iowa. Okay, first of all, uh, don't waste that knowledge. Store it away. You, you never know <laughs> when, when, it, when it might come in handy someday. A um, couple of things here. A, a bowl game is different than a regular season game in that they're they're difficult to move, pick up and move. I mean, you know, bowl games are scheduled 
you know, they're, they're placed on the schedule years in advance. They're there, you know, for reasons and mostly for entertainment reasons. The mm-hmm. you know, the the two thirty Central Time time slot for kickoff on Wednesday. That's where ESPN wanted the game. It wasn't like they could pick up the Music City Bowl and move it a couple of you know a few days. And and even if that was possible, you just didn't know what what the, what the health concerns were and. Uh, and look, Iowa went through something similar a week earlier, right? They there was mm-hmm. um, you know I, Iowa didn't practice from middle of December until just this past Saturday, so even Iowa was had its COVID issues as well. A couple of things here, Suichi. Though the Tigers game at Mississippi State to end the regular season, the game that was played on December nineteenth, um, is there some sense that um, you know that's where uh, th- there were some issues coming out of that game for for Mizzou? Yeah, Blair, that's that's kind of the important distinction here to make, right? Because I saw a lot, a lot, a lot of Iowa fans on Twitter of all places. I know not the greatest resource, but I saw a lot of Iowa fans kind of complaining or blaming Drinkwitz and, and Mizzou players uh, about how essentially Mizzou allowed the players to go home. And, and everyone was like, that's why you guys are having an outbreak, because you guys went home. Iowa didn't go home. And it was this whole, you know, crusade. And I just... The, the facts don't quite back that up, and Drink was, was pretty clear about mentioning that in a sense that, yes, Blair, like you mentioned, the Mississippi State game is pretty much where it, it's kind of believed the COVID-19 kind of outbreak or numbers kind of spiked because they went into the game with a, one positive test and they did the subsequent contact tracing, but they actually tested the Sunday after, so the Sunday after the Mississippi State game, a day after, and that's when they had several positive tests according to Drinkwitz, and then they kind of disbanded. But once they came back, they tested Friday, which was Christmas Day, and then they tested again Saturday, December 26th, and both of those tests kind of revealed that Mizzou was was having a COVID-19 outbreak. And, of course, Blair, what we know of the coronavirus incubation period is that it usually takes at least, you know, two to five days for a positive test to, to you know, actually de- deem positive because you can't contract COVID and and perhaps not know for at least a few days even what testing. So that that's kind of the thing. And and so it's it's kind of a weird thing that fans, I guess, are, are kind of pointing to that, you know, going home for Christmas for the holidays. I, I really think that was a good move by Drinkless just because you've, you've had these kids, you know, for months and months just prepping for a season that we've never seen. And it just... A toll on the mental health, I think, you know, even not just for players, just I think just for everybody in 2020, I think just taking a mental break like that is, is so beneficial on that. And and so, you know, obviously we don't know for certain with this virus. Um, I believe health officials kind of traced it back to that Mississippi State game, but it, it, it's, it seems that it was just kind of unfortunate timing from Mizzou. And like I said, in the sense that this outbreak really did kind of happen just days away from the bowl game, which like you said, Blair can't be moved between stadium deals and ESPN and you got all these things. Whereas the SEC, you know, that's the big reason why they did SEC in conference, right? Just because they're in charge of all those venues and, and the TV deals and all these things. So they can make switches, you know, five, six days before the game. Unfortunately, with a with essentially an out of conference game, essentially for entertainment value only, like you said, Blair, that's not exactly possible to just move it uh, and push it back a few days. You know, we're going to hear from Eli Drinkwitz after we after we take a break, and so he refers a couple of times to the social media comments. I wasn't sure what he was referring to because all of this was unfolding on Sunday as I was covering the Chiefs game, so I wasn't <laughs> monitoring you know social media for for the reaction. So when I heard him say that I, I, Sunday night, I came home and listened to the the Drinkwitz uh, 
press conference and, I, and he, he was talking about the, the fans. So I, I guess, so it's Iowa, it was Iowa fans that were on him a little bit. Yeah, essentially. Um, you know, it's obviously, I don't, I don't want to cast Iowa fans, uh, in, in one big light. I've actually, uh, had some positive interactions with Iowa fans, uh, because I came from a big 10 background. So don't want to do that, but there were some murmurs, not even murmurs. There were some shouts, I guess, on social media that were essentially blaming Drinkwitz. And the big thing too, is that Drinkwitz essentially said, if there's any blame, blame it on him. Don't blame it on the right. players. And, I think that's a good way of going about it just because at the end of the day, it is his decision and, and he's taking ownership of it. I, I still don't think, you know, Drinkwitz is necessarily the one guy you should be blaming, but that's that's just kind of the reality of college football where you have very passionate fans. And I guess that's just, that's just kind of the territory that comes with it. I don't, I don't know if there's any blame here. I mean, just we're in a pandemic and yeah. well, anyway. Anyway, and the other um, unfortunate aspect of not playing this game was you know, the incident that happened in Nashville on Christmas Day, the bombing, mm-hmm. and it was you know the game was seen as a you know a kind of a a chance to you know for Nashville to rally around an event, and um, and and it's, so it's just not it's not going to happen. But they do have the Titans, Titans in playoff contention, and uh, <laughs> well, they didn't didn't look good last night. We're recording this, by the way, on Monday. Uh, football season is over. Or Mizzou ends five and five, and I'm sure at some point we'd have had some Suichi Tarada authored wrap up of Mizzou football this season. And I know you and I have touched on the progress that this program has made, but how about bottom line it for us, uh, Suichi, and tell us what you thought of, of Eli Drinkwitz's first year. Yeah, exceeded expectations, but I think it comes with the caveat that you know, five and five looks great, and I I don't think anybody, any Mizzou fan or Drinkwitz or any player is going to be you know just mad or disappointed about that. Uh, Blair, I'll, I'll do a little teaser. I actually looked back at my preseason predictions. I did my game by game predictions, and I was only I, I had Mizzou at four and six, and I only missed one game, which was the LSU one. So I was very uh, wow. That was pretty good of me. That's great. That's fantastic. I was nine and one. That's something, of course, I should have brought up and not you, but we'll let that slip. <laughs> well, I was curious just because uh, I, I just wanted to see how I did because Drinkwitz was pretty adamant about preseason predictions to other reporters. Yeah. So, uh, I'll probably write a story being like, hey, look, I was relatively pretty right. You should. <laughs> you know, I, I kind of asked this to Drinkwitz yesterday, you know, what, what, where does he go from here? At what point does he kind of decompress? He said that it, it'll take him at least a few days. And he kind of brought this up unprompted, which I think is kind of kind of shows the psyche of where he's at in the sense that, yes, it was a very successful season. Yes, they laid down a great foundation. Yes, they did it, you know, amid COVID and amid, you know, roster limitations and under the 53-player threshold and all that. But there was a clear gap between Mizzou and, and the top of the SEC East and Florida and Georgia. And I don't think that's necessarily like a shame or like, Mizzou fans should be mad about that or anything. I think that's just a reality of where the SEC East is at. But I think Drinkwitz has has kind of pinpointed that as, as the one area that Mizzou really needs to get better at is competing with Georgia and Florida. Because, Blair, if you remember, you know, the Florida game was weird because of the brawl, but Mizzou was pretty competitive through about a quarter and a half. Going into halftime, it was still a competitive game. And Georgia, obviously, they rallied back from being down 14-0. And then they were only down 7. But then the second half just completely unraveled. And I think that kind of shows you a depth issue, a, a, a kind of a talent gap. And and I think that's the number one area where Drinkwitz is going to be looking at all offseason. And then you know, he admitted that's what keeps him up at night. So it was it was kind of interesting for him to say that. But otherwise, you know, he, he said he's going to be back on the recruiting trail and, and that's where he's going to go from here. So that's uh that's kind of where Mizzou football is at. And I think 
fans should be, like I said, should be very, very happy with uh, such a successful first season. Yeah, listen, I, I think it's it's close. It's easier to get to the top two from number three than it is from number six or seven, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 uh, to be, you know, to have beaten Kentucky, South Carolina, Vandy, and of course with South Carolina and Vandy, you're going to start over with new coaches next year. Um, Tennessee is an interesting, you know, uh, barometer for Missouri, and that's one program that uh, I, I think Missouri fans would love to be able to, you know, challenge on on an annual basis, and maybe let that be the the battle for, um, you know, for the for the top contender to the the top, the the Georgia Florida top. So, mm-hmm. um, okay, so we can't let you go without uh, talking about the basketball game. You know, the SEC marquee game right now. Um, yeah. Tennessee coming into to Mizzou Arena, and uh, the only two ranked teams from the conference are, are doing battle. It's the SEC opener. And, um, look, if you base it on uh, Missouri's last outing, you would not feel great about the Tigers' chances. The You know, they survived the, the scare by Bradley. But Mizzou has shown us enough uh, earlier uh, in its first five games to – suggest that uh, they'll be they'll be very competitive in this game and I don't think the Tigers are as talented as Tennessee but at least uh, Mizzou's got something right we've seen it um in in in, uh, in their victories uh, over the likes of Oregon Wichita State and uh, in Illinois of course and um, and then the way they you know they beat Bradley at the end after that seemingly lost game so maybe this Tigers team just has a little Little something about it that that can carry him through. I this would I, I do think if they're able to win on Wednesday, it would be their most impressive victory of the season. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, Blair. Yeah, I guess with Illinois kind of picking up a few more losses. Yeah, where it's it's, it's like where <laughs> Illinois is right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's it's really cool, Blair. I think when the SEC schedule first released, everyone kind of circled this game and since that one is the SEC opener, but it's a good barometer. And and now we're you know it's much much higher stake. Like you mentioned, where we're recording this on Monday before the newest AP poll has arrived. So perhaps another SEC team sneaks in. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, this but these are the top two ranked teams, and Mizzou essentially took kind of Kentucky spot. And I think I, I really think Blair, when you look at that Bradley game, and, and Jer- it was funny because Jeremiah Tillman kind of admitted it, like he was a little scared when Mizzou was down eight with I believe like three minutes, a little over three minutes and thirty seconds left, and just the way the shots weren't falling, the way they've struggled, and the way Bradley had all the momentum, I, I really thought they were done. You know, my gamer top, I I kind of had. You know, I, I essentially kind of scrapped my top and I'm like, OK, well, Bradley won. So um, obviously I had to scrap all of that again and, and write another gamer because that's just how this industry or this job goes sometimes. Um, but I, I, I really think there's been so many times a season where I think Mizzou had it been the same team from last year or two years ago. They, they would have just folded where the inexperience or, or kind of the underclassmen or just the mistakes kind of just piled up and you saw it. A, a kind of a kind of an incomplete Mizzou team falter, but you really didn't see that, and you, we've seen that so many times this season. Whether it was you know the Oregon game, even Wichita State on the road was a good win, just doing it so soundly, and obviously the Illinois game. Now you have Bradley, and even the Liberty game. I think Blair, and we've talked about it on this podcast. Like Consul Martin has, has scheduled this non-conference as probably as tough as as you can, besides just going all out top ten teams like some um, programs do, and I think. It was a kind of the sneaky games like like Oral Roberts and Liberty and Bradley uh, to, sh- to kind of show what Mizzou is made of. So 
that that leaves us at six and zero, a six and zero Mizzou team that that's very fun to watch when it gets it going, and then we'll see how good they are when they play Tennessee, who they do play twice this season, which is a, kind of a fun little wrinkle just because yeah. of the way the SEC schedule is. You know, it, it's I haven't seen a college basketball strength of schedule list. We know that Kentucky's played a you know ridiculously difficult schedule, and they're paying mm-hmm. for it in the in their in their record. <laughs> But look, they've got you know a freshman as as they often do, right? A freshman powered team. Missouri was prepared for this schedule and prepared even for a you know a crazy pandemic affected season just because of you know players getting healthy and having a lot of experience. When you kind of as you as you try to build the case for Missouri season, it's it's there, right? It's with the experienced players, uh, healthy bodies. And they were able; they were up to the challenge of this schedule, and it's it's paid off for them. It really has. And kudos to to Conzo Martin and his staff for uh, for getting this team into this kind of shape. So, looking forward to uh, Missouri Tennessee on Wednesday night, and Suichi, looking forward to talking to you again soon. Uh, we'll do it again next week. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we will hear from Eli Drinkwitz. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Yeah, I just want to uh, echo what Jim said. Uh, first and foremost, uh, want to... Um, say that we're disappointed uh, was very excited about heading to nashville and being a part of the music city bowl know that that's a tremendous bowl game and and really wanted to be a part of uh nashville's healing and moving forward after the uh, incident that occurred on christmas morning um you know disappointed and apologized to iowa for not being able to uh, get our guys to the finish line uh you know we did everything within our power uh to try to move forward but ultimately uh with dealing with this virus you have to uh, put the health and safety and the well-being of not only your student athletes, but the community, our staff uh, at the forefront. And had this, uh, you know, just been any other time in the summer, we would have uh, needed to pause. And so when that became uh, apparent of what we needed to do, then that's what we did. Um, you know, I, I hate it for our team. Uh, our team worked extremely hard to get to this bowl game. We're very excited about we were very excited about the opportunity to uh, compete, but we won't get that opportunity now. Uh, I do want to say this. Uh, this is, if there's anybody to blame for this, it would fall on my shoulders as the head coach and the leader of this organization. It is by no means our players' fault uh, or our, our uh, organization's uh, health care or protocols. Uh, we have followed those uh, stringently uh, since they've become an inception, 
and we have done everything possible. Uh, but if there was an easy way out of this predicament with this virus, I think the country would have already handled that. And so for us to be uh, belittled or beleaguered on social media uh, or players to be uh, challenged because they went home for Christmas is unfair. And if they want to direct that at anybody, ultimately, I, as the head coach, you can place that blame on my shoulders. But our players didn't do anything wrong. Uh, it's just unfortunate that we're going through a global pandemic. And with that, I'll open it up for questions. Bill Pollock with Missouri Net. Eli, you said you blame yourself. You talked earlier in the summer that, you know, you could do everything possible and still get COVID. So can you clarify why you, why you say blame, blame you for this? Uh, I mean, this is a world that likes to assign blame to, every, to everything. There, So if there's somebody to blame, ultimately it would be me as the leader of the organization. I don't feel like there's any uh, personal thing that I could have done differently. Uh, we're experienced uh, a high number of uh, positive cases in the last seven days that have affected support staff, staff, and players. We have followed CDC guidelines to the to to uh, extremes. We've um, tested, as in the SEC protocol. We've rapid antigen tested on top of what was standard protocol. We've done everything we could to try to prevent an outbreak, but uh, we we came up short on this one, and ultimately uh, that 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 rests with me. Hey, Colin O'Brien, Jeff City News Tribune. Coach, um, there's been speculation that, that this is because players went home from Christmas, and I've also seen reports that, you know, this is this was a result of the Mississippi State game. Can you offer any clarification onto uh, the providence of, of maybe this outbreak or, or you know, wh where it's coming from? Yeah, you know, I'm not a, a scientist or an epidemiologist, and I didn't stay in a Holiday Inn last night, but what I do know is, um, you know, we experienced when we returned back from, uh, Mississippi State. You know, we had a positive case prior to uh, going to Mississippi State. Uh, we subsequently contact traced. When we returned on Sunday, uh, we tested and we had uh, several positives from that time. Uh, we allowed our team uh, to travel home for the holidays after an extremely long season, uh, which we started uh, July 20, you know, 6th and uh, played a game all the way up until December 19th. It felt like it was in the best interest of our players' mental health uh, to travel home, which we had done on the bye week. So it didn't feel like it was an extreme risk. Um, didn't, didn't feel like it was a risk. But then when we came back, we had several positives uh, in the first test. And then we had several more positives in the next test. Um, and at that point, it became a um, local county health officials and team doctors uh, decision that we needed to pause for seven days to tr try to pre prevent the spread uh, and prevent any more um, outbreak. Uh, and for us to try to travel this team um, to Nashville would put the public health at risk. And so that's that's really where the decision-making lied. Uh, you know, I appreciate the fact that there's a chain of command and there's a separation. Um, our staff and players wanted to forge on we were committed to trying to do everything possible. This has nothing to do with uh, um, total numbers, scholarship numbers, anything like that. This is a local county health and, and doctor's decision that we pinned it, you know, we uh, posed a, a public health risk if we were to continue to, to practice and, and uh, move forward. So 
that's what it was. Uh, you know, as far as whether or not it was because we let our guys go home for Christmas, if you follow the science of uh, COVID-19, I, I believe it says that it's going to be two to five days from exposure. So unless they were exposed on their first day home to uh, the virus or they encountered a very large viral load, I'm not sure that, that you can uh, equate where you got the virus from. Uh, and I'll also just, again, I know there's a lot of social media warriors out there that have all the answers. Uh, but, you know, if, if, if we knew all the answers about COVID, I would think that we probably would have enacted those in the United States of America and wouldn't continue to have an outbreak that's, a, you know, the largest it's ever been. But what do I know? I'm a football coach. Ben Arnett, KOMU TV here in Columbia. Coach, I'm sure you've had seasons end many different ways, but this is unprecedented. Um, kind of a message do you, do you give to your team uh, to try to maybe soften the blow or, or, or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, there's no softening the blow uh, when you end a season uh, the way we had to end it. Uh, but you just up front with them and tell them. And, uh, you know, like I said, this is the eighth out of the ten games we're eight out of 11 games that have changed time, dates, location, variation of game besides the entire schedule. I think it's just a pretty much uh, ending of 2020 season. Uh, I did tell uh, this team how extremely proud of them I am, uh, how they have fought and been resilient in, in the face of every challenge that we've thrown at them, how they've done what we've asked them to do uh, repeatedly. Uh, how proud I believe this state and our university is of the fight that they showed. Uh, you know, we were picked 13th. Uh, we were picked 13th. We finished sixth in the league. All right. We were picked to win two games. You could have made a couple thousand dollars had you bet on, you know, the, the, the over on our over under, you know, so I'm extremely proud of our football team. And when you look around that room today, there's a lot of, a lot of empty seats. A lot of empty seats, and, and those guys kept fighting and showed up and every day went out there and played their butt off. And so I'm pr proud of them. They're disappointed. I'm disappointed. But uh, said thank you to the seniors and, and told the juniors uh, and sophomores and freshmen that now they know, you know, what it's going to be like to play for us and our culture and what the new zoo stands for and look forward to getting them back January 17th ready to roll. You know, I was going to touch on the schedule. I know you can't have any team activities through the second, but is there kind of a plan going forward with what the next stage is? Yeah, I mean, the next stage for us is we'll uh, conduct testing again tomorrow and Tuesday uh, with everybody to try and, and find out what the uh, exposure is and where we can stop it. Uh, we have began contact tracing and, and trying to isolate uh, any individuals that have come in contact. Um, but there will be no activities here until the till the second. And then uh, once we get the isolation and the testing and, and all that situated, then we'll be making arrangements for guys to be able to go home until the start of the next semester. Eli Mitchell Forty from Power Mizzou. Um, I know, you know, you're working with, with several parties, not just, uh, you know, the Iowa and the Big Ten and the SEC, but also the bowl game. But was there any chance this game could have been, you know, postponed and tried to be played at a later date? Uh, I wasn't involved in any of those discussions. Yeah, I'll just jump in on that. I, in talking to Scott Ramsey, the the bowl director, they had explored uh, other options, but with the Titans schedule that they they didn't they would they had to cancel. Basically, they couldn't move it to another date.
Eric Blum, Columbia Daily Tribune. Uh, Eli, I know, I know you said this is an unprecedented season. Uh, is, is the feeling now for you and your team, do you think some combination of relief or is it disappointment you couldn't play in a ball game? You said it was kind of a celebration of getting to this point in the season. I'm just curious where kind of the heartbeat of the locker room is at this moment. Yeah, I, there was definitely disappointment. Uh, we worked really hard. Obviously, this team wasn't allowed to go to a bowl game last year. And so for us to qualify for a bowl game to earn, you know, there's some other other teams that were given. We earned a bowl trip. Uh, and for us to earn it and then not be able to fulfill that, I think, was, was disappointing. Uh, but I tried to refocus our team on what we have accomplished this year, what we did do, you know, beating a ranked team uh, at home, beating the defending national champions and, you know, winning five games. Uh, I think is a heck of a start for us moving forward and something that we're going to be uh, anxiously awaiting to build on as soon as we get these guys back on January 17th. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our production staff and everyone who helps make this happen. That's Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Todd Feedback, Randy Mason, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. A tip of the cap to Suichi Tirada for stopping by and talking Mizzou. Links to his stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we have another deal for you, especially for those who want a deep dive into the Stars' terrific Chiefs coverage. For a limited time, you can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. How do you get it? You go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That's kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. Do you want more than just sports coverage? I know I do. Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And if you're having trouble hunting down any of these offers, send me an email, pkirkhoffatkcstar.com. I'll get you to the right place. So, whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Wednesday with another episode.